The Chart Spotlight, Episode 24. Yeah, everybody, what's up? Yanilunga here and welcome to this 24th episode of the Jet Spotlight podcast. I hope you're having a great day. And, you know, first thing I want to do is thank you because you made my day. I just found out that the podcast has just passed the 1000 downloads mark. A small achievement, you know, there are plenty of great things ahead, but I'm really happy to have achieved it so quickly. So if you have been sticking with me over the last weeks with the podcast, Thank you so much. And thank you even if this is the first time listening to the Jet Spotlight podcast. Welcome and thank you for being with me. You know, I want to cut to the chase and go straight to today's episode because uh, you probably remember last week I had British jazz promoter Tony Dudley Evans on the podcast who talked about how to get gigs and he shared some of the tips he discussed during the Cheltenham Jazz Festival. So all of, all of you who didn't have the chance to attend the festival this spring, myself included, at the, you know, the unique opportunity to hear from Tony what artists should do when looking to get gigs. So it was a great episode. And I'm telling you this because uh, today's episode is in a way a second part, if you want, to this mini-series about gigging. So if you haven't yet, before continuing with this episode, take a break go to thejetspotlight.com slash episode 23 and listen to that episode. And after that, come back to this. Obviously, you know, if you already have, get ready because today we're going to go back to Australia. So you remember from episode 12, I had Steve Pelferman who talked about how to build and grow an online audience for your music. He was from Melbourne. And today we're going to go back to Australia, this time to a different city. We go to Perth to meet Nicola Milan, who's going to tell us more about the thing to understand in order to get more gigs. In addition to being a very cool woman, Nicola is a talented jazz singer and songwriter, and she's also a cartoonist, which I think is a very interesting combination, and we'll hear more about that also on the podcast. She has a website, she has a blog where she writes about different things related to music, and that's actually how I found out about her through an article she published on the do-it-yourself musician blog of CD Baby. And there, where I, when I read the article, I was completely blown away. And I thought to myself, I absolutely had to get in touch with Nicola. And so she's here. And, you know, I'm really excited. And I'm sure you will benefit a lot from this episode because you will hear more about the different kind of gigs, the gig matrix, and, you know, what different kind of gigs can do to you. So Nicole and I will go through each and every kind of, of different gigs and you know what you can expect from them and what you can get out of them. So let's hear it. Here is Nicola Milan with the one thing to understand to get more gigs. Enjoy. Hey everybody, what's up? Yanni Lunga here and welcome to another great episode of the Jet Spotlight podcast. I hope you're having a super day. I'm having a super day and I'm really excited about the guest we have here today. You might remember from episode 12, we had Steve Pelferman from Melbourne, Australia, who talked about how to build and grow an online audience for your music. And today we're going to head over to Australia once again. But this time we go to Perth because we have a guest who comes from there. And I really, I can't express how excited I am about this guest. 
She's a jazz singer, she's a songwriter, and what's interesting is that she's also a cartoonist. It's it's a very cool combination, and who knows, maybe she will tell us more about that. And today, she's gonna talk to us about an article that she has written, and she's gonna talk about plenty of, of many other things, but in particular about gigs, about the things one should really understand in order to get more gigs. It's with a great pleasure that I welcome on the show, Nicola Milan. Hey, Nicola, how are you today? Yeah, I'm really good. Really excited to be here. All right, all right. Hey, I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, let's get started. So for all of those of you who would like to know more about Nicola, you can go to NicolaMilan.com and you will see she has... She's, she has a great website, like she has a blog where she talks about many different things. I see here, for example, how to dress in the twenties style and behind the scene to some music videos or how to write a tango that sizzle. How, how long does Barbara Streisand take to record vocals? So already. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't because I think that, you know, it's, Already from your post, one can see how how excited you are about what you do and about the cool things you talk about. And then, of course, you're a, a singer, so singing is, a, I, I assume, a big part of your day. And, and now you, you're going to talk to us about gigging. But let's take a step back before we, we start with all those things. How did, you, how did you get started with music? What made you start? Um, well... Look, I think it's one of those things that um, I never remember not being a musician. I, I've, I've literally taught myself how to play the recorder uh, <laughs> before I could walk. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. My, my parents um, got me into playing the piano at five um, years of age. And um, I quickly realized that um, I wasn't um, – I was never going to be a classical musician because I always had a problem playing music as it was written. I always wanted to compose my own little bit to the end of, you know, Chopin or Bach or whatever I was <laughs> playing and, and improvise. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I seriously, I can't remember not being a musician. It's just been like a natural progression and I've never, I'm not doing anything now that I haven't already done, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just one of those things. I think, um, a lot of your listeners would probably agree that, uh, when it comes to music, it's something that is, is always inside you. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's always going to be there. And for me, it always has. I've just, yeah, <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. And obviously today we're going to talk about music and about gig, gigs and many other things, but, I have to ask you about the cartoonist part <laughs> of you. T- tell us a little bit about that. Is it is it a hobby or is it something that you have been doing for many years? Yes, yeah, it's the other side of my personality. I have a dark side. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's the cartooning. Um, yeah, it's similar to the music. I, I've always been a cartoonist. I used to, um, I remember I used to sit in Mr. Parker's maths class um, in high school, and I used to entertain myself by drawing cartoons, and I'd pass them around the class, 
secretly, you know, see how far the cartoon could get before Mr. Parker figured out what we were doing. Um, and yeah, it's just grown. It's always been there and it's just grown into a career because, um, I, I did, I published, I wrote and published a book, which is a full color cartoon book. And, um, yeah, I have my, my cartoon blog, which is slowly growing. Um, not as quickly as my music, but yeah, it takes a long time to draw a cartoon. <laughs> so you were that kind of student eh, with the cartoons passing papers around and, you know, to see how far they were going. It's really cool. It's really interesting. And, and you know, I hope that it, it continues to, to grow and get better and better. And, you know, for all of those who are listening, if you go to nicolamilan.com, then you, you see on the navigation bar, there is also cartoons, even though it's in parentheses, in brackets, it's there. So, <laughs> so I think that, that people can, can learn more about your dark side, as you call it, <laughs> there. Now I have to, to tell a little bit about, you know, why I wanted you as a guest. A few weeks ago, I was, I was on the, on Do Yourself Musician of CD Baby. Very interesting website. There is always a lot of very cool stuff. And I read this, this article, this post that already from the title, I was like, whoa. And the title was the one thing you have to understand to get more gigs. And the author of that article was none other than Nicola Milan. And I don't want to spoil the, the article because some of the things are things that we're going to start to talk about, but I can tell you all of the, all of you who are listening, I was really blown away and I was like, I have to get in touch with her and I have to ask her if she wants to be on the show and, you know, if she wants to share tips with, with all of those who are artists and are wondering, you know, how to get more gigs and, and all other things related to gigs. And now if like before we go into, you know, the tips and, and those kind of things, my first question to you is, how has it your relationship with gigs been? Was it difficult for you or has it been difficult for you to, you know, to get started and to, to go about it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's actually, I was actually very fortunate because, um, before I decided to become a professional musician, I actually worked, um, in the corporate world in marketing mm -hmm. and I green marketing as well. Uh, and when I, um, I decided to become a professional musician, I went to the Academy of, um, performing, Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts. And I thought that, you know, by the time, you know, cause it's so hard to get in that by the time you graduate, you think, oh, you know, it's only going to be a matter of time before stardom is upon me. <laughs> <laughs> and you graduate and you realize that it's just, you know, you've come to a, a dead end almost. Um, and the universities, they don't teach you how to go about getting gigs. They teach you how to be a musician, mm -hmm. not about the business side of things. And so um, I found that I was in this situation where a lot of my friends who were instrumentalists, you know, guitarists, um, bass players and all that sort of thing, mm -hmm. they were being given gigs by singers who had graduated a couple of years before me. But I wasn't being given any gigs because, I mean, you know, I'm a singer and um, it's the singers that actually a lot of the time um, go out and get get the work mm -hmm. um, and then instrumentalists. And so I found myself in this situation where, um, 
yeah, it was really difficult. I, I had to work out if I wanted to continue moving forward with my career, how to navigate the music industry and get gigs myself. So to answer your question, it wasn't easy. I thought that there was some secret formula that everybody else knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I would look at a musician on stage and I'd think, oh, you know, how did they get that gig? They must They must have friends that got it for them or they must know the venue manager. How did they do it? Um, And it really took a lot of trial and error and falling back on the fact that I had a marketing degree and and I wasn't wasn't scared of um, approaching people. I think that's what really helped me get through. Mm -hmm. And I I literally had the ropes myself. (laughs) And, and like, you know, when, when we think about the gigs, or often when people think about the gigs, in a way, they put them all in the same category. They don't make any distinction. And this is something that you also talked in your article and you use the concept of, you know, like why not all gigs are created equals with, I think, which I think was really cool. And would you like to say something about that? Yeah. You know, like what are the kind of the types of gigs and what can the types of gigs do for musicians? Yeah. So when musicians sort of think, okay, I need to get gigs, I need to get gigs, they don't realize that there are gigs and then there are gigs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they aren't created equal. Um, each, each type of gig um, represents, um, well, it provides something to you depending on the stage that you're at in your musical career. So I broke, I broke it down into what I call the gig matrix. So um, four different areas that you can categorize gigs to help um, because each area of this matrix has a different approach. Um, so to give you an overview, you've got high pay, low fan building gigs. Now, these are the types of gigs, corporate gigs, um, where you actually get um, paid a lot, but you don't have the opportunity to make many fans. Then you've got low-pay, low-fan-building gigs. And in this category, you'd get something like busking where, you know, you're on the street, people aren't paying much attention to you, you're not really making as much money as you would make, you know, in a corporate gig. Then you'd have low-pay, high-fan-building gigs. And in these in this area of category, you'd have support gigs for other bands who have got a following or things like um, living room shows. And uh, then you've got the PFW Resistance, <laughs> the high-pay, high-fan-building gigs. And these are the gigs that everybody sort of wants. They're kind of the um, the high-end gigs that you get when you're a little bit further on in your career, and we're talking paid festival gigs here, shows that you put on yourself that you have a really big turnout to. And these are the types of gigs that when a lot of musicians start out, they think they need to go straight from not having any gigs to getting these types of gigs, whereas in actual reality, it's these high-pay, high-fan-building gigs that are the hardest types of gigs to get. So what essentially what the article talks about is is how you can break down the different types of gigs available into these categories and take a different approach for each one. And before, before, sorry, did I quickly interrupt you? Before you go more in depth into that, is it so? Is it basically so that artists should think about these kind of these types of gigs that you just mentioned as a 
as a path in a way, as a journey, and you know, like maybe to aim for, for example, the first the low fans, low pay, like you said, the supporting acts, and then kind of uh, growing and aiming eventually at the high pay, high fans uh, types of gigs. Or what do you think? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, because something like busking is a lot easier to obtain than a festival gig. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's unheard of of uh, you know a new band or a new solo artist without any fan base, any experience, going straight from nothing to you know a paid festival gig with a lots lots and lots of fans. And I think I actually think TV shows like Australian Idol or American Idol, wherever you are in the world, whatever Idol you watch, <laughs> <laughs> and and The Voice, they've actually. Um, created a, a, some somewhat a, a kind of a disillusioned image, I suppose, for the music industry in the sense that, you know, these people get plucked out of the obscurity and they go from nothing to this huge stage with millions of fans. Now, that is an extreme minority and it is, it's not, in fact, the reality for the majority of musicians out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's also what derails careers or especially of, you know, uh, young artists that they think that, yeah, they're going to go from kind of zero to hero in a way. So from zero to the, to the top immediately. And when they kind of maybe realize that it's actually not that easy, that it takes longer time than they expected, much more effort that they were expecting, then maybe they just, you know, give up and, and stop chasing what can be a, a dream. Yeah. And do you have something else to add to this point? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I guess the the thing is is that um not to kind of think, oh, you know, I'm down at the bottom, I'll just busk because busking, you know, even though it's in this kind of low fan, low pay category, it has an essential role. That type of gig has an essential role to play in your career progression. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am an established musician and I still go busking today mm-hmm. because I know what that gig is actually going to provide me with. And I, I think that we go through in detail, like each section, if you like, mm, definitely, and talk about um, what each, what each one provides. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely. I think that that would, would be very cool. And I have another question for you uh, before we go more into, into in depth, into each and every one of these types of gigs. Oh, because on episode 13, uh, I had Jerry Goldstein on the show and we talked about how to, uh, you know, book uh, gigs and how to plan a tours. And she, she talked about the, about websites because she was saying that sometimes or often uh, artists have websites that are built only for, for the fan base and, you know, they don't target, for example, uh, festival organizers or the people that might end up giving them the gigs. So what I want to ask you is if someone, you know, is starting out, what should they think of when they want to, you know, promote themselves online and then start to actually looking for gigs? Ob- obviously, you know, everyone talks about having a website, social media about the website first. What do you think should be on the website? Wow. I mean, I, I actually think, yes, you do need a web presence, but when you're very first starting out, forget about the website. Okay. <laughs> Concentrate on getting 
experience, like gigging experience, mm-hmm. you know. And so if you're, um, you know, if you're looking for the, the types of gigs that um, are going to give you that experience, this is where, you know, your low-pay, low-fan gigs are going to become, are going to come in handy. Mm-hmm. So if, if you want to busk, it's actually if going out and actually doing it takes takes guts if you have never it takes courage i don't know if if everybody says guts or if that's like an australian <laughs> idiosyncrasy no, i i under i understood it <laughs> no okay that's good <laughs> um, we use a lot of slang in australia so <laughs> um yeah i think that um yeah if, you know if you've never done any performance before a lot of people are actually afraid to go out and busk because it is confronting i mean even i when i when i started busking it was so removed from you know doing cafe gigs or my own shows that i kind of thought oh, i'm on the street you know no one's paying me any attention and this is really crap you know but um i kind of had to sort of get myself out of that headspace and think okay what is this actually going to do for me? And and busking is great because it allows you to practice well and try out your new material on the crowd. You get to um, you get instant feedback from your singing or your music because people will come up to you on the street. You get all these random characters, and you you get experience actually interacting with the public which is huge because this is something that they never teach you in music school, you know, interactions. And you're, you're interacting with people from the position of, you know, them potentially being a fan. And you can start by, you know, practicing your 30-second pitch. You know, when they say, oh, you know, how long have you been doing this for? You can practice what you're going to say, which is exactly what you would practice later and you would need to use later when you call up a venue for one of these high pay low fan gigs um like a corporate gig and you have to tell them what you do over the phone in 30 seconds or less so you're actually getting a lot of of real reality sort of um gigging obtaining practice by doing something like busking yeah so yeah i suppose um If that answers your question, get out on the street and ask people. Don't worry about the website. <laughs> All right. And and so basically you have already started to talk about the, the first type of gig, the low pay, low, low fan gig. So I think that maybe that's we can use that as an anchor and start to go more in depth into each and every one of these type of gigs. So you already mentioned a couple of things like, you know, that you kind of gain experience and you kind of also get used to, you know, have, have an audience. And even though once one in the beginning might think that, yeah, no one is going to pay attention to me. And like you said, but then with times, you know, things get started and, and move on and, and grow. So I think that, you know, it's very, it makes a lot of sense what you said that just forget about, about the website and, and get started with the low pay, low fan kind of gig. So. So, Nicola, what can the low, low pay, low fan type of gig do for artists? Yeah, well, it's, um, it's basically excellent performance practice. Mm-hmm. You know, getting, you're getting used to performing in public. And a lot of artists, you know, they may sing in the, you know, before they've actually gone out and started doing gigs, they may perform, um, you know, in their room <laughs> <laughs> or, um, they may have had <laughs> like a couple of, you know, 
like a, a singing teacher or something. They've put on like a house concert or something like that, and they've they've had a little bit of performance practice there. Mm-hmm. But actually, singing with all of your gear sort of set up, so you can kind of ergonomically feel what it it kind of it's going to feel like, you know, singing into your microphone and holding your instrument. You know, it takes a little bit of practice to actually get really comfortable doing that. Um, because, you know, a lot of guitarists, um, when they start out, they, they still, they're still looking at their fingers when they play. And you realize that when you're busking and you're singing into a microphone, you can't look at your fingers anymore <laughs> and sing into the microphone at the same time. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's, it's a great way of, of really feeling what it's like to perform. So when you do get a better paying gig, you can deliver because you've had that experience. Mm-hmm. So if we were to kind of the the one golden nugget in a way one would get from the low pay, low fan is the experience, is the kind of practice in a way. Can we say so? Yep, definitely. Definitely. And I mean, open mic nights and things, you know, where, you know, um, some clubs and pubs and things like that, bars, I think they call them in America. Mm-hmm. You know, they have these, these nights where people can just get up on stage and have a go. Those also are fantastic. I mean, they don't pay anything, but they're great for getting this performance practice that you need. And it's also good because it forces you, if you book yourself a, a spot, it forces you to get your repertoire, you know, like your set list ready. Mm-hmm. And it forces you to learn your material. So when you do get a paid gig, you, you know exactly what you're, what, you know, you're going to deliver at that paid gig. Yeah, that, that you that you really know yourself and what you can offer and, you know, how, how to perform. And yeah, and definitely. And you talking about the low pay, low fan type of gigs, you have mentioned already basking and open, open, uh, open mic nights. And you you've said that, you know, or we said that so experience and, you know, kind of getting to know one another better and knowing how to perform and what to deliver. It's what one will get out of low pay, low fence kind of gigs. What is that second kind of gigs you, you want to talk to us about today? Okay. Um, well, these are, um, um, we'll move on to the low pay, high band building gigs. Mm-hmm. And so these are the types of gigs where you're not going to get paid very, very highly for them, but they are excellent for building your fan base. So it's getting you that one step closer to the ultimate goal, which is the high, a high fan building gig. <laughs> um, and these are things like support gigs where you support, um, another band who's playing at a venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason, um, these are basically, um, low paid gigs is because, um, your, the ticket sales are, um, based on, um, how many people come through the door. And so all of the people who are coming through the door um, are essentially coming to see the other performing. They're not coming to see you and your band. Um, and so if you haven't contributed to the ticket sales, there's, you know, it's only fair that you don't get paid that much for your, um, for the gig. However, they're great because you will get exposure to all those potential fans who um, like the other band's music, um, which hopefully if you've done the right job in aligning yourself with the right band, you know, the music will be similar to yours. And so all those fans who were those, you know, fans of that band will potentially become your fans too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. So, uh, on episode five, I had a by colleague of Snarky Puppy who talked about musical collaboration. So how to form, you know, how to find the right people to build a, a band. And also he talked a little bit also about, uh, in a way, support gigs, you know, how to find artists for collaborations, but also in, like we're talking about now. So you you mentioned, you know, to look for bands who have a similar uh, style, who in a way are on the same wavelength. That it's some it's something that he also mentioned. But you know, for for someone who is maybe a band that has maybe started out and you know, they there is another band that they admire and would like to kind of support or open for, but they feel a bit uh, you know, insecure about how to, how do you approach a band for, and to, you know, basically to ask to be their opening act? Yeah. Well, it, music, the music industry as a whole, and if you want to succeed in anything, it's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. And so friends book friends. It's as simple as that. Um, and you, so you need to make contact with the people that you want to support and essentially make friends with them. And there's several um, avenues that the music industry as a whole will um, provide. I mean, there's gigs that other bands are putting on that you think, you know, um, other members of the community or other bands, you know, um, they might be supporting that band. You might be able to catch up with them for a drink afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, or a lot of, um, a lot of, Places have uh, music industry associations. So I know that in in Australia we've got um, for each state we've got a music industry body that represents that state, mm-hmm. and they put on local music networking kind of events. Um, and these are great because you can go there and meet other musicians in your local community and make friends with them. And then friends book friends. You know, you, you get together and you have a gig. Um, so that those are Essentially, the way you do it, and if if they don't, if you don't have a, if you're wherever you're located doesn't have one of these industry body events or whatever, um, there's always social media, mm-hmm. and, and I get people reaching out to me all, all the time through social media. Twitter especially is a really easy way to get people's attention because you can't, you know, look like an idiot in 140 characters. <laughs> Are you are you sure? Mm, I'm I'm not so sure. I think there is people that might manage, yeah, even with just 130. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't cyber stalk people, <laughs> obviously. But you know, make you comments on their Facebook page or you know, like their Twitter, you know, um, status. And obviously, you don't want to go for like a band that's touring nationally because they'll want like a really established support act go for a band that's you know emerging within your local area and as, as soon as you tweet them and start saying hi because they're they're probably active on their social media all the time like hoping for engagement because they're trying to build their fan base if you get in contact they will definitely 90 percent of the time unless they're complete dickheads in which case you don't want to work with them anyway they would be open to making friends and you know if you say hey you know it's made up for coffee i'm really interested in doing a support or let's do this together you know musicians are cool people they'll they'll um usually 90 percent of the time like i said be cool 
and you can reach them that way. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's actually, you know, what happens to me uh, most of the time for, for the podcast, because many of my guests like yourself today, you live in Australia. Sometimes I've had guests from, uh, from California, from, uh, from, from the UK, from a bit from all over the world. And many, in many cases has happened what, you know, what you just mentioned that maybe through Twitter, for example, and then perhaps uh, through an email. And then that's how I get guests for the podcast. I think that, you know, if you, if you are spontaneous and, you know, you, you really want to build a relationship with the, with the person or persons you try to reach, then that's definitely, you know, it's going to work. And even if for some reason happens that, you know, you hear no, you shouldn't be discouraged because if it's no today, it's going to be yes tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. You should just be, you know, have, have good, good spirit and, and be uh, with a positive mindset and, and sooner or later it, it will work. So now we have gone, uh, we have gone through two kinds of gigs. So the low pay, low fan uh, kinds of gigs where one can get the experience and self-confidence in a, in a way. And then the low pay, high fan kind of gigs. So where you uh, start to, to, you know, get exposure. You mentioned uh, support gigs. And in your article, you also mentioned the living room shows where, you know, you play in a kind of <laughs> small venue in a way, which is <laughs> someone's house or can this also, I think, be considered a party, for example, a small party or? Yeah. I mean, living room shows, I think they're definitely on the rise. Um, and this, they've actually got, um, a living room show network happening in the States. Um, they're really clued in over there where, um, yeah, you know, people like, the, I think there's like some uh, registry where people can actually, um, if you're a touring artist, you can put in on a registry and people will host you. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then hosts will actually bring their friends um, to their house, and then you just come to the house and play the show. So it's a, it's a fantastic way of building like excellent, excellent relationships with fans because you get to socialize with them for an hour or so, like before the gig starts. I mean, what better way is there of making fans than like that direct contact? Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. And in a in, in an intimate atmosphere and also like laid back yeah I, I mean it sounds great and you know for for all of those who are listening who have never tried i think you should definitely try living room shows because i'm i'm sure at, at least you know it sounds like lots of fun so you should definitely go for it and after low pay low fan and low pay high fans kind of gigs are we gonna talk about high pay, low fan kind of gigs? I assume. Yeah. So, what can you tell us, Nicola, about these high pay, low fans types of gigs? Okay, well, these are your average corporate gig. So, um, a lot of these these are ones where um, you know I get these. These are my bread and butter gigs, basically. These are the gigs that pay my rent, <laughs> and um, I, uh, I get about two of these a week. And they're given to me by booking agents uh, who have like a, you know, they have like an artist management company with a whole bunch of different artists and bands and acts and things like that on their, their internet site or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, blogs from the, you know, whatever court, like company decides that they need a band for their Christmas function. They call up this, you know, booking agent and then the agent calls you because you, know, you suit the brief. 
So that's essentially how you go about getting these, these high-paid corporate gigs. Um, I mean, these, these are great because, like I said, they pay the rent, but they're also a little bit soul-sucking <laughs> from a musician's perspective because 90% of the time your background music usually at some stuffy lawyer's function <laughs> where, you know, they're all sort of sipping cops and drinking canapes and you're the help. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, it's not exactly the most creative environment. Um, The good bit is is that you usually get to eat the canapes and drink the wine in the break. Hmm. But, um, you know, also not really the, the best place to build your fan base because people aren't there to see you. You're just providing atmosphere. Mm You know, and you can't go and put like this massive banner with your name up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you know, buy CDs at this stuffy lawyer function. You know? <laughs> I mean, you're not paid to do that. You're paid to just be background music. So, I mean, a lot of musicians get by just on these gigs and a lot of musicians only want these gigs. And I know a lot of musicians in my local area, especially who are very, very talented. And these these gigs basically make up a very good living for them, mm-hmm. and they're very happy just with these gigs. Um, it, it really depends on what you want out of your music career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, because everyone has different story, different goals, different wishes and dreams. Yeah. So definitely, it's it's very difficult. But I think you know by listening to your words. The, the kind of four types of, of gigs you have, you've talked, you've been talking about and the kind of the order in which you've talked about them. It makes a lot of sense because, you know, from the low pay, low fans is about getting experience and lo- low pay, high fan is about the exposure. And now here's where, you know, come, come some, the money to like to pay the bills and, <laughs> and do all other sorts of stuff. But I think, you know, it's very, it's very, especially for those who are maybe listening for this for the first time, it makes a lot of sense. And it's something that, you know, the way you talk about it, you make it sound so easy. But it's something that I'm sure that many people don't don't think about, you know, that gigs are, you know, are different entities. Like, like you said, you know, busking, uh, support gigs, living room shows, and now corporate gigs. No, really, really. Thank you again for being on the on the podcast and providing us with so much value, it's it's really really thank you. That's okay. No, it's been my pleasure. I mean, I just I just think that um, you know, it's if you look at gigs as one big umbrella, it becomes this daunting task. You know, it's like anything. You've got to break it down into baby steps mm-hmm. and just go for whatever is kind. Of but achievable for you at your stage in your career, you know. Um, so if you're just starting out, go for the busking, go for the open mic night and wet your teeth on that and just see how it – cut your teeth on it, I think that's the phrase, and just see how it feels, you know. And then once you've kind of done that and you're ready to move on to the next big thing, then you can have a look at, okay, I want to get some high-paying, low-fan-paying gigs because – you know, I want to be able to do this full time, for example, but I'm not, you know, necessarily interested in um, growing my fan base. And so you can concentrate all of your efforts 
on building relationships with those booking agencies that are going to give you the type of gig that you want. You know, but if you're the type of musician who says, okay, I really want to, I want to get to that high fan, high paying festival, you know, tip of the spear type of, you know, um, environment. I want to be that kind of artist. Then you know that you need to go down the high fan but low pay avenue and start doing gigs that are going to specifically build your fan base. So you know you're going to need to go to music industry events, start networking and making friends with other local musicians so you can support them and start building the fans. And once you break things down, it becomes a lot more manageable. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely. I I agree with you. And now here we are at the holy grail of, yes. of gigs, high pay, high fan uh, gigs. <laughs> what can you tell us about this? Yeah, yeah, this is the realm of the rich and famous. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, look, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, within this, look, you know, festival gigs, like, again, with festival gigs, not all festivals are, again, created equal. <laughs> you know, we could do a whole other podcast on getting festival gigs. Um, there are local festival gigs that, um, because, you know, Generally, if you're going to play a festival, you're playing um, to some like a festival that's aligned with your type of music mm-hmm. and your message, you know. Like, um, and you're also going to get exposed to a, a lot of people who haven't heard you before. So that that's the reason why they're so good, but they're also the most competitive. Um, so start with lo- local festivals, um, and we're talking like city councils will sometimes put on you know, city festivals, Mm -hmm. start with those in your local area. You can get those gigs um, once you've kind of got your experience behind you and all that kind of stuff and you've you've had your performance practice and everything. Then you can go for those types of gigs. Um, And then once you've got a couple of local festivals under your belt, you can go for a mid-range festival. And these are usually, you know, indie festivals um, that get quite a bit of traction, but they are known for booking, you know, national acts, not international acts, mm-hmm. and they um, are open to, to new blood, basically. You know, but you won't get one of those medium gigs until you, you cut your teeth on the the local festival gigs, if you know what I mean. So it, it's kind of just like everything else. You've got to break it down into steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And I think that when when people think about festivals, again, they kind of, you know, put everything in into one pot and just think about uh, the kind of the mainstream show on a, on a stage. Uh, they don't think also about the related things. For example, on episode six there was Jane Chapin, and on episode seven Ezra Brown, who talked about touring the world, and both of them talked about you know like touring and performing in clubs and festivals, but also about, for example master classes and workshops that are related to festivals and it's something that also Jerry Goldstein on episode 13 talked about and and said that sometimes that can be what makes the difference between you being booked for a festival or not because if for example you you know you you like to to teach and you're you're willing to you know to spend an hour or two with you know with uh, with children or with young musicians for, for free and, you know, just say to the festival organizers that, hey, I would be more than glad to 
to hold a, a workshop, then that's something that, you know, they can even make it more likely for you to be booked at a festival. I just, yeah. you know, I just wanted to, to, to put it out there because I think that the same way as with the gigs that sometimes people don't break it down in baby steps, like you said, but just, you know, just think about, oh, I want to, I want gigs, I want gigs. It's something that people should really think about when thinking, you know, about gigs and about touring. And I, again, I agree with you that it's easier and more important to start small to start locally. So city council events, start to network with, you know, those in your community and little by little expand from there. Definitely. I, I definitely agree. And is there something that you would like to add on the high pay, high fan kind of gigs? Um, look, I think so when you start getting to that, that realm of things, you'll pretty much know how to do things by then, you know, because mm -hmm. by the time you get to looking at, you know, obtaining these high pay, high fan gigs, you would have your website, you'd have demos, you'd already have an established fan base. So you would be more, um, you know, uh, ready for these things anyway. And you'd have a lot more industry know-how and experience behind you. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, just, um, but if, you know, if you haven't done it before, it's, it's extremely daunting. Hmm. So yeah, just pick whatever is at your level, <laughs> depending on what you need. Hmm. Yeah. And, and if you were to, you know, kind of to wrap up this, this like metrics, we have gone through these four different kinds of gigs. If you were to wrap it up and give an advice for all the musicians who are listening to us today, what would you tell them? I would say don't turn your nose up at busking. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, I still busk and I know quite a lot of people. Uh, I've got one friend that he actually makes, you know, he makes a lot of money busking, believe it or not. It's kind of dispelling my entire argument. <laughs> but um, uh, I think he's just, he's unique though. He's found some secret busking code. But, um, you know, it, it has its place, mm -hmm. you know, doing an open mic has its place, doing home shows has its place, you know, no matter what stage of your career you might be at, you know, I mean, if, imagine if, um, imagine if someone like, I don't know, Eddie Vedder was going to do a house show. I mean, how cool would that be, mm -hmm. you know, to actually chat to him beforehand and then, I don't know, <laughs> that was probably a really outlet. <laughs> Who knows, he might be listening. But, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just, you know, pick, and a lot of people will find, um, a type of gig that suits them and fits their personality really well. Like I know that I'm actually going to start doing a lot more house concerts myself mm -hmm. because I think that I will personally as a musician get a lot out of it and I enjoy that one-on-one -on -one interaction with fans. Um, so my immediate goals aren't always going to be, you know, these high fan, high paying gigs. I'm more interested at the moment in doing those, you know, low pay, high fan building gigs because, yeah, I just want that connection with my fans. So, yeah, it, it depends. Just work out what you want. Mm -hmm. Set apart. And now there is, you know, now there is a bit more order in this chaos in a way, because now you've heard about what Nicola Milan had to say about, about 
geeks and, you know, the kind of geeks and what you can get from these different kind of geeks. Nicola, thank you so much for, for being with us and for, for sharing, you know, the, for talking with us about the kind of geeks and what one can learn from, from these kind of geeks. And do you have some, something coming up? Do you have some plans for the future? Something that you would like to, to share with, with us? Um, yeah. Well, I'm actually going to be releasing my, um, a new single soon. Which is really exciting. It's always exciting when that happens. Yeah, is there? C- can you give us some details? Yeah. Is it gonna be at the end of the summer or autumn, or is it still top secret? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually um, just putting the finishing touches on it at the moment with my producer in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I haven't gotten around to doing the big promo for that yet, but it mm-hmm. um, it will be this year, which is exciting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um. Yeah, singer's secret. Um, uh, I'm actually going to be doing. Um, I've got a course that's coming out on doing local gigs, so that's um, also going to be coming up soon. Oh, that's that sounds very interesting, and I I bet that if people you know follow you on Twitter or at nicolamilan.com, they will learn more about all these great things coming up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you can either go to nicolamalan.com or I've got, um, singersecret.com and I put all my sort of mm-hmm. singing music industry advice for singers up on Singer's Secret. Sounds, sounds, sounds great. So people, nicolamilan.com and singersecret.com. Nicola, thank you once again for being with us today and for telling us about yourself, about what you do and also for sharing some tips about gigs and, you know, the types of gigs and what musicians get, get from each and every one of them. Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We are back. First thing first, Nicola, if you're listening, thank you so much for your contribution. I love the episode and I love the conversation. I'm really happy you you accepted to be on the podcast because I'm sure that this episode is going to be one of the most popular because you shared a lot of great tips and I love the idea of the geek matrix and really going through the different kind of geeks and really analyze them and see, you know, what artists can get out of each and every single one of these types. So again, Nicola, a big shout out goes to you for being on the show and sharing the one thing to understand to get more gigs. Now I would like to quickly go back to something I said in the introduction. You probably remember that I said that the Jet Spotlight podcast had just passed the 1,000 downloads. But I'm happy to have achieved this small goal of passing the 1,000 mark. And, you know, a big thank you goes to you for sticking with me week after week, for hopefully for, you know, sharing episodes that you think are useful with people you know can could benefit from this beat on social media on your blog i really appreciate it and i also would like to ask you for some help for a little i would like to ask you for two minutes of your time whenever you can if you could go to the jetspotlight.com slash show and you will be redirected to the iTunes page of the podcast. I'd like to ask you for two minutes to write a short review about the podcast and give some ratings. And the reason why I'm asking you this, it's because ratings and review help the podcast rankings on iTunes. So, you know, I know that with your help, the podcast can climb the rankings, which means that it will be visible to more people. And, you know, 
the more people I can reach, the better in the sense that I want to provide value for as many people as possible. So this is the small favor I'd like to ask you. Two minutes of your time or even just one minute of your time to go to thejetspotlet.com slash show and to write a short review about the podcast. You know, what are your thoughts about it? Why you think it's a good podcast? Hopefully, I, <laughs> I hope you think it's a good podcast or a great podcast. So why other people should listen to it? And also just remember that, you know, uh, feel free to share really all the, the links you would like to share with your fans or if you if you have a blog that's great just give me a shout out on twitter that's probably the quickest way to reach me uh, at jet spotlight give me a shout out and you know i'll be more than happy to share with you the the new blog post the new podcast episode and the new articles that they are on a weekly basis i would be more than happy to share them with you as soon as they are published so that you can share them with your readers and your followers uh, now I want to give you a short preview of next week. You probably remember that when I was at the Porygets Festival, I had this uh, kind of special edition of the podcast, a jazz talk with, and I interviewed some of the greatest people in jazz. I had Dave Holland, Mark Carey, Jamie Cullen, Sam McFarlane, and many, many other great artists on the podcast who talked about plenty of different things. And next week... I'm going to have another great artist. She's like, she's probably one of the first name, if not the first name that comes to mind when thinking about great contemporary jet singers. Yeah, that's right. Next week, I'm going to have none other than Didi Bridgewater here on the podcast. You want to learn more about it, don't you? So then make sure to check back next week at thejetspotlet.com slash episode 25. I'm Yanni Lunga from thejetspotlet.com and you have listened to the Jet Spotlight podcast. Thank you for being with me today. Have a great day. Take care.